excited for what the Lord's doing in our church, in your life. And I want to preach on a true friend here today, a true friend. Luke chapter 10, follow along with me if you would please in verse number 25, Luke 10, 25, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up, tempted him saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And here the lawyer, we get the impression here that the lawyer is looking to trap Jesus or looking to catch Jesus in something. This lawyer obviously knows the law, well-spoken, I'm, I'm sure, and he stands to, to catch Jesus, to tempt Jesus. And he said unto him, Jesus, in verse number 26, this is his response, what is written in law? How readest thou? He puts it back on this lawyer. He says, well, what does the law say? And Jesus, you'll find so often when Jesus is going to be tricked or they try to catch Jesus in something, he always answers them with a question. Those that come to Jesus with a true question, he always gives the answer. But those that you find that are looking to cause issues for Jesus, he, he puts it back on this lawyer. Well, what does the law say? What have you studied? And he answering said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and, all with, and with all thy mind, thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, thou answereth right, this do and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself, or he's looking for a way out, he said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus begins his parable. Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem and to Jericho. He fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite. And when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to the inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he said, he that showeth mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, go, and do thou likewise. Father in heaven today, Lord, we need your help. Lord, we'll look in this passage of scripture and we'll see a true friend. And so Lord, I pray that you would just allow our hearts for these next few moments to be in tune to your word. Lord, we want to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. And so Lord, whatever you want done in each individual life today, we pray that you would work. Lord, we pray that you would bind Satan or anything that would cause a distraction here today. And just give us a good day here today where we can learn from you. Help us to be obedient and apply these truths to our life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This man was a, a very self-righteous man. This lawyer as we're reading about this lawyer that comes to Jesus, I want us to see, first of all, just by way of introduction, this man that begins to ask the question. There's not maybe much looked at upon this lawyer, but Jesus tells us a lot about this lawyer by how he responds in this parable. This lawyer, being a very self-righteous man, he asks a very dishonest question. He's not looking for truth. He's looking to tempt Jesus, or he's looking to trap Jesus in what Jesus would say. In verse number 26, Jesus says, what does the law say? And so here we find Jesus putting it back on this man. And this man, we know because he's a lawyer, he knows the law. This man knew the answer to the question, but although this man, knowing the law, knowing religion, this man might have known religion, but this man was lost 
he didn't know the truth. He's looking for eternal life. He's looking for truth. In verse number 29, the Bible says this, uh, this lawyer, when Jesus confronts him now with this question, the lawyer then says, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? He knew the law, but he didn't, he didn't want the, the law to apply to him here. He didn't want to love anyone that he didn't have to love. If he had to love someone, I guess I'll do it. But who is, who is my neighbor, he says. In 1 John 4, verse number 20, the Bible says this, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. You see, sometimes for us, we might say it's easier to love God because we don't see God. I, I, don't, I don't mind loving God, but loving people, that's not easy. And so who do I have to love is this question this lawyer's asking. See, the background of this parable that the Lord gave here about the, the Good Samaritan is he's looking at a man that's very self-righteous, that's wanting to be religious, that's just wanting to law, the law to do something for him, but he's not looking to love anyone he doesn't have to love. Now, I want us to look at the story here today because Jesus is going to address this lawyer. He's going to address this man in this parable. I want you to see the beginning of this parable. Follow along with me, if you would, please. Again, Jesus begins to answer this lawyer, this self-righteous man, the question of who is my neighbor? What he's asking is this, who do I have to love? Is it the person directly next to me where I live? Is it my family? Is it those that are lovable? Is it those that are just like me or think like me or act like me or have the same world views that I have? Or who am I supposed to love? And Jesus begins to tell this parable. He says in verse number 30, follow along with me if you would please. And Jesus answering said this, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell upon thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, if you would understand Jerusalem and Jericho, Jerusalem sits high upon a mountain. Jericho sits near the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea being the, the lowest point on earth. Jerusalem is the holy city. Jericho is a, a very pagan city at that day. Jerusalem was a place that people would go to worship the Lord. Jericho was a place where people lived absent from God. Jerusalem is some 2,700 feet above sea level. Jericho is about 1,300, or the Dead Sea is about 1,300 feet below sea level. And so when the Bible says he went from Jerusalem down to Jericho, literally, he's going from a very high place to a very low place. Spiritually, he's going from a very high place to a low place. And as Jesus is showing us this parable, there's something here that I want us to see that this, this picture that he's showing of this certain man that went from Jerusalem to Jericho, this certain man is a picture of a man going away from God. He's leaving where he should be. He's going to where he shouldn't be. And the Bible tells us this, as he's going away, leaving Jericho or Jerusalem, going down to Jericho, he falls among thieves because this is a very dangerous journey. Now, you can still today travel this journey, this road, this Jericho road from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And it's a very windy road. It's a, it's a, it's a very dangerous road. There's, there's caves along this road. There's turns along this road. And as, if you were on this road, even today, you would find that as you're traveling this road, especially alone, at times of the day, you shouldn't be traveling at any given turn, there could be thieves. In any of the caves that were alongside of this road, there could be thieves that would be there to rob you. 
Maybe things that you purchased while you were there in Jerusalem. But on this, tra- on this road, thieves would always be there. And so many a times when people were traveling this road, they would never travel this road alone because of the danger that was on this road. But this man, as he's leaving Jerusalem and heading toward Jericho, or he's leaving the place of God and leaving to go to the place where a pagan world is, he falls among thieves. The Bible tells us this, they leave him there for dead. The thieves had no use for him. The thieves did not care about him. The thieves had no concern about this man. All the thieves wanted was to steal and to take from this man and leave that man for dead. Probably the thieves don't even think twice about this man because once they leave this man for dead, they're going to look at what they've gotten. They're going to see the profit it's made for them. And once they've spent that or given that out amongst themselves, they're now going to look for another victim that they can do the same thing with to just simply leave them for dead. Now, church, friends here today, the reality is this, that we live in a world We live in a world where people are going away from God. Would you say amen to that? We live in a world where people aren't running to God. We live in a world that they're trying to do everything that they can to get away from God. I was just in conversation with someone yesterday, and we were talking just about the things that are happening around this world today. And it just, it almost seems, it almost seems like if God is for it, that the world is doing everything they can in their power to go against what God is for. They're leaving the things that are right. They're running as far away from they can, they can as from God. And this is the reality. When you run from God, the world will always leave you beaten up. The world will always leave you robbed. The world will always leave you for dead. This is Satan's plan. Satan's plan from the beginning of time when God made the human race, Satan's ploy, Satan's desire was to do everything he can to tempt mankind, to cause mankind to sin because Satan is doing everything he can so that God cannot spend eternity with mankind. But God's desire, God's goal, God's hope is that mankind would repent of their sins and turn back to God. And Satan is doing everything he can to keep that from happening. That's his goal. And in doing so, he leaves the world beaten. He leaves the world robbed. Today, if we look at things that are happening around the world, if you, if you just look at news and see the stories that are happening around this world, church, we live in a very broken world, don't we? I want you to see and just think of what Satan has done to the homes, broken homes. Our world is wounded domestically, bruised hearts, emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. All of these things are happening to people all around this world, and the world is leaving them beaten, leaving them robbed, and leaving them for dead. I think of the things around this world, the addictions, addictions to drugs, the addictions to alcohol, the addictions that people have to, to, to things around this world that are causing them not to draw closer to God, but to go farther and farther and farther away from God. And all of these things, while in the moment it may seem pleasurable, but all of these things eventually leave someone beaten and robbed and left for dead. Spiritually, the world is wounded. There's cults all around this world. There's religion all around this world. There's liberal religion all around this world. And that liberal religion is promoting that it's mankind, that mankind is the answer, that in man we can find hope, that in anything other than God that we can find the answer. But I want to say to you today that uh, liberal religion, there is no answer. In the cults around this world, there is no answer. In religion, man's religion, there is no 
answer. Ours, our world that we're living in is a very hurting world. Hearts are wounded and hearts are broken and hearts are bruised and hearts are bleeding and hearts are needing mending and people need to know that the only one that can fix a broken heart is Jesus Christ. He's the only answer. He is the answer. And they need to meet people that know Jesus and that know the answer. And so in this passage of Scripture, in this story that Jesus tells, I, I see a couple things that I want us to point out. First, I, I want you to see man's downward journey. I want you to see the, the man is continuing to go away from God. We see man's downward journey. We see man trying to fix his own problems. We see man trying to come up with a cure. We see man trying to do everything in his own strength. Secondly, I want you to see this, man's indifference. Not only do we see a certain man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, leaving a holy place to go to a pagan place, leaving a, a spiritual place where he's close to God to a, a, a worldly place where he's satisfying his flesh, I want you to see the man's indifference as well. I think this is where the story for the religious crowd gets very upsetting. Because we understand that following the things of the world, following the path of the world, is only going to lead us to hurt and destruction. But I want you to see, the Bible tells us this in verse number 31, and by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and pass by on the other side. Now, you may be here today and you say, boy, I've heard this story many a times. We hear it in Sunday school. Our kids hear it. We see the story of this man that he's wounded. He's left for dead. And a priest and a Levite comes by. Now, you would think that if you were in desperate need that a religious priest or a Levite would be the one that would do everything they can to come meet your need. You would think that religion, I want you to see here the priest, the Levite, the priest, the priest, his job was perform religious rituals of that day. The Levite, his job is to be the custodian of the law, the rule keeper. To keep care of it. And these, these two, these two, the priest and the Levite, they represent this. Religion with its rituals, the priest, and religion with its rules, the Levite. That's what this is representing. And Jesus, remember who he's speaking to. He's speaking to a lawyer that knows the law. The lawyer is trying to trick him. The lawyer is trying to, to, to stump Jesus. So how do you get everlasting life or eternal life? And so remember who Jesus is speaking to. He uses this analogy of a man that is, is in spiritual decline, this man that is going away from God, this man that needs help, that, that he's on death's door, that the world has left him beaten and bruised and any brings the analogy to this religious man, this self-righteous man. He says, I, I, I want to tell you about this, this priest, the religion with its rituals. I want to tell you about this Levite, religion with his rules. And neither of these two men were willing to stop and help this man that needed help. Jesus is talking to this self-righteous man, a man who doesn't want to love anyone that he doesn't have to love. I love God, but I don't want to love others. I don't want to take the time to love people, so tell me who I have to love. Who is really my neighbor? And this lawyer was religious, 
but he had no spiritual life. Hear me, my friend, Jesus came to save man from sin. And Jesus came to save man from religion. Because religion has caused so many to put their confidence in the wrong thing. Religion has caused so many to be self-righteous. Religion has caused so many to be good and think that their good is what's going to merit them God's favor. And they want religion without Christ and they want good works without Christ. And Jesus is dealing exactly with that issue today because religion makes a man cruel. Religion makes a man self-righteous. Religion makes a man a bigot. But, but Jesus, and only Jesus, is what heals a broken heart and mends a soul. The Apostle Paul was a religious man before he met Christ. So often we think about the Apostle Paul and all the things that he did now that he knew Christ. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verses 5 down through 8, you find Paul's credentials. Paul was a religious man. Paul, through his murderous acts, Paul, through persecuting the church, persecuting those that followed Jesus, Paul thought he was doing the right thing. It wasn't that Paul was just a, a awful man that in, uh, in our view that is out there robbing and stealing. Paul was a very religious man, but he was a religious man without Christ. There are some today that are lost in religion. Maybe there are even some here today under this tent or those that are watching by way of, 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 of Facebook or YouTube or, or the internet today, and you have religion, but you don't have Jesus. If religion can save you, which religion is right? I've had that question asked me over and over again, and people get confused because they think that it's a religion that's preaching a message. Listen to me, there's not a denomination that can save you. There's certain parts even in this country that you could drive and there's a, a church on every single corner. And someone might say, what church can save me? And I want you to know today, there's not a church in this world that can save you. Well, what religion can save me? There's not a religion in this world that can save you. What, what denomination can save me? You say, there's not a denomination in this world that can save me. And hear me today, you say, well, it, it just seems helpless then. If church can't save me and religion can't save me and the denomination can't save me, what can save me? And I'm glad that you asked because the answer is this, only Jesus. Only Jesus. Some have said this. I've talked to some. I'm, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool Baptist, or I'm a dyed-in-the-wool Catholic, or I'm a dyed-in-the-wool Presbyterian, or I, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool Methodist. And I want you to know this. It doesn't matter how dead-in-the-wool you are. You need to be washed by the blood of the Lamb. That's what saves a person. It doesn't matter what religion that you grew up in. It matters, are you washed in the blood of Jesus Christ? It doesn't matter what religion you were baptized into. What matters is, are you washed by the blood of Jesus Christ? You see, this priest comes by, and this is what he does. He just leaves this man alone. Can you imagine that? Here's a religious leader, and he just leaves the man alone. Scott, he does nothing. Here's a man that's bloodied. Here's a man that's beaten. Here's a man that if someone doesn't reach out and help him, in a matter of time, he's going to die. Religion with its rituals cannot save. This priest represents religion with its rituals, and you know what you find? It cannot save. The Levite came. And the Bible tells us this, the Levite came and he, and he looked on the man. Likewise, verse number 32, and likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, he came and he, and he looked down him. Listen, the law can condemn. My thoughts are, I wonder what this Levite man said. 
He probably thought to himself, I can't believe this man was traveling through this place the time that he was traveling alone. Maybe the man is looking at this and saying, I, 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 I can't believe that, that uh, uh, this man is, is, is here. He must have deserved this. He must have done something he shouldn't have done. But, but I don't know what exactly this man was thinking, but we know this. The law can condemn, but the law cannot save. The priest, his rituals, couldn't help this man. The Levite and the law, it could not help this man. Oh, listen to me today, church, our neighbors, our city, our world needs more than just religion and rules. Our, re- our world needs a relationship with Jesus Christ. Our world needs more than religious and rituals and religion and rules. Our world needs to know that Jesus Christ came and died for their sins and he shed his blood so they could have everlasting life. Our world needs to know that it's not in a denomination or not in a church, but salvation is in Jesus Christ. That's what this world needs to know. Oh, listen to me today, church. This world needs compassion. You know what I find here in this passage of Scripture? The priest and the Levite, there's no compassion. Did you ever realize that in religion there is no compassion? It's either follow the rules or you're out. It's either follow the rules or you're condemned. There's no compassion. The world needs compassion. The world needs Jesus. The world needs a friend. There are people out there beaten, robbed, and hurt, and dying. This last week, If your heart has not been affected by what we are seeing happening around this world, specifically what we're seeing happening in Afghanistan, if your heart isn't grieved, if you you aren't grieved when you see a mother giving her child to to a soldier over a wall, knowing they'll probably never see that child again, if your heart's not grieved, Oh, in Afghanistan, the government, they're setting up religion. They're going to rule based on religion. And they've interviewed so many that are afraid because as soon as Sharia law comes to effect or religion comes to effect, people are going to be dying. People are going to be persecuted. There are some, there are Christians that are even today, that are, that are underground today, that are serving the same Jesus that we're serving today. They're, they're reading the same Bible that we're reading today. They're worshiping the same God that we're worshiping today, but they're doing in hiding. They're doing it in fear of their life. If that, my dear friend, doesn't break your heart, then we are religious but we have no compassion. We need to see the things that are happening around us today. And what I fear is that the religious crowd became indifferent. They don't have time for people. They don't have time to stop. We've got our lives and we've got our work and we've got our goals and we've got our mission and people next to us on our journey are dying. The world has left them beaten. The world has left them for dead. And we are just simply looking past who they are and busy about what we're doing. Some of us are so busy serving Jesus, we don't have time to serve people. So many of us are so busy doing good, we don't have time to do the work that the Spirit of God wants us to do. I would say this, every single one of this of this, us this week, you have come by, you have seen someone hurting, you have seen someone beaten by this world, you have seen someone trampled by the things of this world, you have seen someone left for dead. And oh, my friend, what did we do with that? What have we done? We're passing right by. We're seeing people left for dead. 
at all, we would read this passage of Scripture and we would say, I can't believe the priest wouldn't stop. I can't believe the Levite would just look upon him and not do anything about it. But, oh, church, are we doing the same or are we being a true friend? And thirdly, I want you to see this. Look with me in verse number 33, but a certain Samaritan. As he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, what's the Bible say? He had compassion on him. Now, there's something interesting, and Jesus is showing this. Remember who he's speaking to. He's speaking to a lawyer that's very religious, that thinks because of what his religion is and his knowledge of religion, he's a self-righteous man. And I don't want to love unless I have to love someone. And Jesus says, we're to love everyone. Jesus points to religion. He says, rituals don't save. Jesus points to religion and says, rules don't save. And then he shows this lawyer a Samaritan. He said, well, what's the significance of a Samaritan? Because the Samaritans are despised. This is a despised race. They're, in, they're, they're not interested. They're intermarried. The Jews aren't interested in the Samaritans because as the Jews were taken out of cap, in captivity, out of Jerusalem and out of Israel, some that stayed back, some that weren't there, began to marry other people and became, became heathen, became uh, uh, worshiping other gods, and they were now known as Samaritans. They were only part Jews. And so the Jews said, we're not going to have any fellowship with the Samaritans. But Jesus is showing that this Samaritan had more compassion. This Samaritan had more care. This Samaritan is actually one that was a true friend. Oh, no, the religious crowd will look down on certain people. But Jesus was showing that it wasn't the religion. It wasn't the rules. It wasn't the rituals. It was someone that we didn't expect, someone we might look down upon, they were the true friend. I want you to see here today this picture of the, of the priest, this picture of the Levite is a picture of religion. This picture of the Samaritan is a picture of Christ himself. Look with me in verse number 33, but a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. I want you to mark this down, please, someplace in your notes. This is a picture of Jesus. Jesus has genuine compassion. Jesus saw him. He took note of him. It, he was moved by, because of what he saw. The Bible says when he saw him, he had compassion on him. In verse number 34, and he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. I want you to see this genuine compassion. Jesus saw him, and Jesus came to where he was. Aren't you so glad that Jesus came to where you were? Oh, listen to me, we're not preaching a message today that you need to clean up your act, that you need to do things right, that you need to become perfect in order for Jesus to accept you. No, no matter where you are right now, no matter what you've done, Jesus Christ will come right up alongside of you. He'll take you as you were. Oh, he won't leave you that way, but he comes to where you are. And we're so thankful for that. He had compassion. He had genuine compassion. He had gracious compassion. He ministered to him. Oh, listen to me, the religious crowd, the rules and the rituals, they just looked at him and said, sorry, you can't offer me anything, or you shouldn't have been here on your own. They set judgment upon the man. They, the law judged him. But Jesus, with graciousness and compassion, the Bible says he came and he ministered to him. Don't listen to me. It's easy to help people that are easy to help. But a true friend helps those that need to be ministered to, that are left dead, that are left hurting. 
Jesus came and he ministered to him as he was. We see this gentle compassion. We see this, or we see this genuine compassion of Jesus. We see this gracious compassion of Jesus. And in verse number 34, we see this gentle compassion of Jesus. And the Bible says he went to him. He bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. That oil is to soothe his wounds. That wine is to cleanse his wound. But listen to me, it even goes deeper to that because oil in the Bible is a picture of the Spirit of God. Wine in the Bible is a picture of the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, listen to me, look what Jesus does. He applies the blood to them. Oh, listen to me today, when you are dead and trespasses in sin, when the world has beaten you up and left you for dead, when religion hasn't helped you, when you're left hopeless and without any help, oh, Jesus comes right where you are in the blood of Jesus Christ is what heals you. The blood of Jesus Christ is what cleanses you. Jesus applies the blood to your life. And it's because of the blood we're saved. The oil is to soothe. The oil is a picture of the Spirit of God. Aren't you so thankful today that when Jesus found you, he not only healed you, but he gave you his spirit? Oh, we're not left in this world to wonder the direction we're supposed to go. We're not left in this world to try to figure it out on our own. Oh, listen to me, everyone here today, no matter where you're at, you've got troubles and trials, you've got questions, you need direction. And if you are a child of God, God didn't say, you know what, I've saved you. Now figure it out by yourself and I'll see you one day in heaven. No, he said this, I'm gonna put the spirit of God inside of you. Oh, listen to me, friend, we are not alone. We have the spirit of God that dwells inside of us, that directs us, that convicts us, that guides us, that gives us wisdom. Jesus, when he meets you, Jesus, when he finds you, he cleanses you with his blood and he soothes you with the spirit of God. Oh, listen to me today. This is a true friend. This is a true friend. Maybe today you've been failed. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been religion and religious and religion has let you down. I heard a story. This is a true story. There was a fella that I met not long ago. I met him because of a family in our church. And this fella, years ago, he's probably, I would guess he's probably in his 50s or so now. And in talking with this man, he hasn't been to church since he was in his teenage years. This man went to church. He got saved as a teenager. He was going to church and joined the, the military, I believe it was. And, and when he was all finished there in the military, he had gotten married. And, and when his military career, after a few years, was over and there were some problems in his marriage and, and it looked like things were just not going to work out and he was seeking help and he didn't know what to do. And so he came back to the town that he grew up in. He came back to the place where he got saved and he, and he knew where that pastor lived. And so he, he went to that pastor's house and he knocked on that pastor's door, just a young man in his 20s. And he says, I need help. I, I, I've got questions and I'm going through issues and I've got marriage issues and I've got troubles and, and, and I need help. And that pastor said to him, Listen, if you'll call my secretary on Monday, she'll set an appointment and I'll be able to help you. That young man's at that pastor's door. He says, I I can't wait till Monday. My life is falling apart. I need help now. pastor said, if you call and set an appointment, then maybe I can help. And he shut the door. It's a true story. And left that man with all of his problems, with all of his guilt, with all of his shame, standing there on that doorstep, failed by religion, failed by man, And now some 30 or some years later, that man is living his life and 
he's equated Jesus with religion. Maybe you're here today and someone has hurt you. Maybe you've been hurt by religion. You've been hurt by something today. I want you to know that religion in church, in denominations, in people, they're not Jesus. Jesus is Jesus. And he is a true friend. And he comes alongside of you no matter where you are. And he'll cleanse you by his precious blood no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. He'll cleanse you, he'll save you, and he'll fill you with his spirit. I don't know if you've been hurt, but there is a true friend. And I invite you to him today. His name is Jesus. Would you bow in prayer with me today, Father? Lord, we need your help. Some of us have been hurt by the priest or the Levite. Some of, some of us are guilty of being the priest and the Levite. Some of us here today are that, that man that's been beat up, wounded, and hurting. And that's the condition that someone here might be today. And they think that it's almost over. They think that they, their life is almost through. They're just seeing the agony and the pain, and there's no one there to help. Lord, I pray they'd be introduced to Jesus today. Lord, I pray they'd find hope and help and healing and compassion. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. I pray they'd find comfort in his spirit. Lord, today I pray they would trust Christ to be gloriously saved. Would you heal them today? Lord, maybe there's someone that was like that man that was beaten and left for dead. And they found healing in the precious power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be a friend that points others to Jesus. May we never forget what you did for us. May we never forget how you saved us. May, we never, may, ne may it never grow old. The life that we once had and the new life in Christ we now have because of a true friend like Jesus Christ. So Lord, would you move in this place? Would you heal broken hearts? Would you mend hearts? Would you bring peace? Would you stand with me where you're at today? Would you remain in an attitude of prayer for just a moment? We have a baptism. We have lunch that we're going to give you on your way out. But before we do that, the most important question I want to ask you today is, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you know Christ? Have you been saved? Do you have everlasting life? If that is you today, I want you with boldness and with courage today just to simply raise your hand and signify, yes, I know Jesus Christ. I am saved. I'm born again. Heaven is my home, and I know where I'm going to spend eternity because I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I was once a sinner, and now I'm a saint. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand? I want to see it all over this tent. Praise God. Would you put your hand down? Maybe you could not raise your hand. The one thing that everyone in this tent that raised their hand would hope for you today is that you would be able to raise your hand with us saying, yes, I know Christ as my Savior. But maybe you're there and you're saying, I don't know Christ. I'm not saved. I've been bruised. I've been beat up. I've been battered. I've tried religion only to be hurt. I've tried man's way only to be hurt. I've tried atheism. I've tried humanism. I've tried everything. And I continue to come up empty. Today, I want you to 
I want you to introduce to Jesus who sees you, who is willing to come up to where you are and cleanse you with his precious blood. Forgive you of every sin that you've ever committed. His spirit will come and dwell inside of you. Jesus said it, and when I go, I go to prepare a place for you. And I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And one of the, the apostles said, Jesus, we don't even know where you're going. We, how do we get there if we don't even know where it is? And Jesus answered and said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus answers his questions about eternity, and Jesus will answer your questions today as well. I wonder if there's one here today, you couldn't raise your hand on the first question, but you would raise your hand now and say, Today, Pastor, I want to be saved. I want Jesus Christ. I want to put away religion. I want to put away all the hurt and all the, all the shame. And I, I repent of my sin. I want to come to Jesus. I want to know how I can have everlasting life. If that's you today, would you just slip up your hand so I could see you? And I want to pray for you. Is there one like that today? Anywhere under this tent? Anywhere? I'm not asking if you were baptized. I'm not asking if you were a member of a church. I'm not asking if you go to a church. I'm asking you, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Is there one right here? Is there another? There's one that raised their hand. They want Jesus. There'll be three this morning that are going to be baptized. Their baptism isn't going to save them. Their baptism is just simply telling you they've accepted Jesus and now they're following Jesus. Would you pray? There's this one that raised her hand. Would you pray for her? The Lord would save her. How many of you would say this? I don't want to be the priest. I don't want to be rules and rituals. I want to be a true friend to someone this week. I don't want to just judge them because of what I know or who I am. I want to offer them help and hope because of who Christ is. And maybe we get so busy, we get so engulfed in our life. There's people hurting all around us. And church, I want to ask you this. How many of you this week would say, Lord, soften my heart. Bring me by someone that's wounded and half dead. So spiritually, I can show them Christ and offer them hope and help. How many of you would say this week, I pray, that's my prayer this week. I'm asking the Lord to help me be that good Samaritan that would help someone today. Father, you see these hands. You know their hearts. So I pray, Lord, you would work in such a way that we truly would be ambassadors for Christ, showing the love and compassion that Jesus showed. Lord, bring us to the people closest to hell. Those that are going to step out into eternity without Christ. And may we look upon them and have compassion and introduce them to a Jesus that loves them, who shed his blood so they could have healing and hope May we as an army of soldiers this week go out with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. May we, may we not get discouraged by what we see, but may we go out with hope and confidence because of who we serve and who saved us. And his name is Jesus. And we thank you and praise you for him. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated for just one moment, church as we have a baptism here. All right. We get to baptize again this week, and uh, we are excited that next week we get to baptize again. So every week in August, uh, we're baptizing people who are following after Jesus Christ. 
So this morning we have Chloe Rands. Chloe, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Then I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. This is Lily Rands. Lily, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Then I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. This is Alexis Bergman. Uh, Alexis asked me to share with you guys. Um, she had been uh, under conviction from the Holy Spirit, and then last week when uh, Christian Ikeba got baptized, uh, the Lord just sealed it with her that that's uh, something that she needed to do to, uh, to follow after uh, um, the Lord and Believer's baptism. So she asked me to share with you guys that uh, you know, you're never too old to, uh, to be baptized. Just uh, be sure you uh, take that step of obedience after you get saved. This is Alexis Bergman. Alexis, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Yes. Awesome. Well, then upon profession of your faith and obedience to the Great Commission, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Bearing the likeness of his death, raised to walk in the newness of life. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you're a guest with us today, we want to thank you for being here. And we pray that you'll come back and visit with us again. And our prayer is that you'll make this church your home. And uh, we're so thankful that you're here. On your way out, there are uh, bags of lunch. Now, I might have scared some of you off. There, I don't think that there's any mayonnaise or anything that will poison you. It's all good food, freshly cooked. There was a crew of people that came in this morning. They were cooking hammers and hot dogs just up right before church started. So all the food is fresh. I promise you that. But we want you to go by on your way out. Just grab it. And um, everyone needs to grab something on your way out. If you want to come back under the tent and sit, picnic tables out here, fellowship with your guests, you're more than welcome to do that. But you are dismissed. Please make sure you go by and grab lunch on your way out. We'll see you next Sunday at 10 o'clock.